Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah, you already know what time it is. It's that official time when we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change brains. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 233, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. This is Chris Featherstone, Pancakes and Power Slam show. Of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter. And Facebook at Crave Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, 233 episodes. I bring to you none other than he is the stuff and the girls just can't get enough. This is Buff Bagwell. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, man. What's going on? It's going great, man. I I, uh, really, really appreciate you uh, coming in um, last minute and uh, veiling yourself, and I'm really appreciated. Uh, I really appreciate that you're able to do the show tonight. No, dude, I, uh, you know, actually, ironically enough, and we'll get, in, we'll get into this a little as we talk, but I swear, dude, this is part of, this right here, ironically, is exactly part of the whole reason that is so ironic that I had that the WWE fired me. You know, they really is. I don't know what, the reason why my brain just went there is because a, a fan just sent me some pictures to sign him. And one of them is me giving Booker T a double on DDT, and I've never seen it before. I mean, there had to be somebody in the audience. I've never seen it. So I took it to my picture guy and made it one of my rituals I can sell on my gimmick table. So me and my wife were talking about just, you know, how I got screwed over. We, we talk about that probably once a year, maybe, you know, or something gets brought up, we see something. But the point is, 
the person you're hearing on the phone right now named Mark Bagwell is exactly, exactly the kind of guy that I am. You call me up by the clear blue, you need some help, I'm there, I do it, I'm a nice guy, genuine, straight up, and just get a ton uh, he, like I'm some demon animal, <laughs> and the WWE gets fired in two weeks. It's just kind of ironic. Yeah, <laughs> it is very much. I, so far, so good with me, man. <laughs> I, really hey, I like it, I like it, I like it. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, I mean, you've been on many, many podcasts, and many people's given, you know, you. Uh, so many people know your backstory and things like that. But there's some current events that's going on right now um, that is really, really – uh, put you back on the as a, as a very buzzworthy person to talk about uh, regarding the WWE. We'll get to that in a minute. But there's always a few questions that I wanted to know about um, just as a spectator, and that's one one your TNA run. Now after the after your WWE run, and you know there's been many talks about that as far as what happened and your take and their take, and you know that's that's been beaten you know so many times. But sure. the TNA run, you had a few appearances in TNA. What was your overall take of TNA from a management perspective? Because the last time you were there for, was about 10 years ago, and you also was there on its inception. What do you think about TNA as a whole? TNA uh, as a whole, for me, was a really, 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 really big letdown because, you know, we all, as soon as WCW was bought by Vince, you know, we all instantly as wrestlers, because wrestling was so popular, we said, hell, man, there's going to be there's gonna be 10 more companies tomorrow. You know, come on, there's, there's no way. Well, we were we were all wrong. We were all wrong about it. But still, we really thought with all our hearts that it'd be, you know, a fox. You know, uh, somebody major was going to step up and take over. There was no way they were going to let, uh, you know, um, weekly – Three O rated show go by, and 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 we average sixes forever. But three O rated show, you know, let that go by. There's just no way. So we just really did. Uh, we thought it was going to be, you know, so. But TNA, dude, and that bothers me so bad, is because a couple of things. Me and Jeff Jarrett were great friends. We were personally great friends. And there's only a few witnesses to this. Is why my stories never make sense, but. I did all of the TV for that. I mean, dude, and, and the only witness I got is my wife. She drove me to the TV stuff, and it was TV stuff that wasn't doable, bro. And I did them all. I'm like, they were right. And I like making by the skin of my TV because they had them. They were far apart. The very first TNA show was in Hudson, Alabama, and I can't remember the year or the date, but I remember Toby Keith was there, and it was going to be the very first you know, TNA show. So I do all this TV, and when they're all excited, TNA, you know, Buck Bible, Red Hot, everybody's hot, ready to go. And I'm in a 20 man battle royal, and I'm out first. Yeah, yeah. And I went, out, I went straight to Jeff, and I go, Jeff, I go, why, why did you have I said, hey, for starters, thank you, period, for even putting me on the show. I said, we're friends, and thank you. I said, but my question is, why did you have me do the TV? Yeah. Why did you Why did you send one of the other stars to do the TV if you're going to have me be beat being on the very first TNA show for 25 seconds? 
Mm-hmm. I said, why? Why did you have me do all of that? Job? I mean, I was a newscaster. I, I, I did all kind of stuff for that show. It was like a two-day thing that about, I'm not kidding you, it just about killed me. And so my take on TNA is bad because it just, it just, I, I really got screwed. And then, then they really wanted to do the lose the buff bagel thing. I was like, <laughs> what? So, of course, if you watch, I did it. I tried to do what they asked me. And the story was supposed to be my way out of it. I agreed to do it. Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff's father, Jerry, Jerry, is that his name? Is that right? Jerry, yep. Jerry, Jerry called me up personally and he said, here's the deal. Here's what we want to do tomorrow. We want you to you know, lose Mark, you know, you know, Buck was a mistake, and you're really Marcus, and, and don't get me wrong, it was, it, it kind of made a little bit of sense, but also, you know, what a big move that is, so I said, I'll tell you what, Jerry, I said, yes, I will do it, but let's at least have a way out, their way out of it was supposed to be, Ricky Steamboat was going to see this poor Marcus Backwell that saw that Buff ruined his life and his career. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Steamboat was going to be in the corner bringing Buff back like the, you know, like the new Marcus Backwell. It was starting to sound better and better. Well, we get to the TV taping to do it, and Steamboat's not there. Wow. And I go, well, where's Ricky at? Oh, he'll be here, he'll be here. Well, of course, he wasn't there, never came, wasn't there. And they still, of course, wanted me to do the thing. And Mark Bagwell, like Mark Bagwell does, no matter what the Internet says, I still went and did it for him. I sat on the side of the ring and said what they asked me to say. You know, that Bob, he's run my career. And, you know, Marcus, whatever it was, it basically wanted me to switch back to Marcus. And I tried to do that for him, and it kind of fizzled out. And through the next few years, it just off and on, they used me some and didn't use me some. And it was just kind of a kind of a weird deal, you know? Yeah. What was the motive behind you being one of the special uh, potential uh, partners for staying? I remember that. That was about 10 years ago. What was the thought behind that? We never got told what the thought process was. Um, Samoa Joe, to me, honestly, uh, I've never got that. I, I know he's. I know he's very popular. Um, I know he's very um, uh, very good in the ring. He maybe he's. I think he's a great wrestler. I, I like to watch him. But but when you have got a chance to tell a storyline. Of uh, to the world of wrestling fans, of uh, who's going to be Sting's tag team partner, and the and the options are Lex Luger, Marcus Bagwell, and Samoa Joe. I mean, who in the heck is Samoa Joe? You, and Luger wasn't quite fit enough, so I fit the part perfectly. And of course, they jerked that away from me too. So I don't really know where they were going except for maybe a push for Samoa Joe. But uh, me and Samoa Joe never even spoken, I'll say, 10 words together. He was on one independent show with me in Cleveland, and he got mad because I was there then. He wasn't. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, dude, let him go laugh. I don't care. I'll get out of the Waffle House quicker. Good. 
I don't care. So he literally got hot and mad at an indie show because he wasn't main event over Buck Bagwell. So that's and that came through the grapevine at a 500 people independent show. So I don't. Uh, to me, Samoa Joe's a fat, out of shape guy that looks like he should not be in a wrestling ring. And and I've never heard or seen anybody ever draw a dollar with him. But that's just my. So I really honestly didn't really get the tag team thing. I, I didn't understand where they were going except give us some more to a push and it did. It helped him out I think a lot and and uh but as far as the wrestling fans go, everybody remembers that, you know, Sting came out and saved me all those times and Sting kinda of put me on the map and me and Sting were the WCW babies for the whole eleven year run. And everybody we were friends and Lex just Lex would have been the perfect pick, I think. He just wasn't quite you know, he was a little bit older and starting to get beat up a little bit, and his hips were starting to go. Yeah. And then, so I just thought really that would have been a, a good thing to bring me right back in, right there. And I've, I've been right back on TNA again. And once again, the uh, the rug gets stripped again, you know? Yeah. And that, I mean, that did help Samoa Joe as far as, you know, a, a feuds with namely Kurt Angle. And, you know, some Sting feuds as well. He ended up being one of the, the, the pioneers of TNA. And it's an interesting point that you made as far as him not being over. Now, he, you know, just lost the NXT championship to Shinsuke Nakamura not too long ago. And, you know, the WWE's got a lot of stock in him from an NXT standpoint. Now, do you still feel that way as far as, you know, him and the WWE? Do you think he still has the inability to go? Yeah, I mean, I really am speaking from the heart, and this is how I look at it. Let me explain how I look at it first. How I look at it is, and I've always looked at it this way, and that is, if I was a booker or a promoter or a visit man or a catcher, the promoter, owner, anything, if I was trying to make money in the wrestling industry, I would judge it by having a person walk through Walmart. If CM Punk walked through Walmart, even as popular as he is, he's not going to get noticed as much as Hulk Hogan walking through Walmart. And the reason I say Walmart is that is our fan base. Mm. That is, I love Walmart. I shop there a lot, but it is our fan base. Us walking through uh, an opera event wouldn't be our fan base. Hmm. Us walking through a Walmart is our fan base. It is, you know, NASCAR. It is our fan base. So I've always kind of judged it for a quick, a quick kind of, a quick kind of answer is, can, can, what would happen to that guy walking through Walmart? Would they, anybody notice him? Would anybody recognize him? How many people would recognize him? Would he get mobbed? Would he would he get a bunch of pictures taken? Would he sign a bunch of autographs? And if they say yes, then that guy, that guy's over. I think he's popular, and you could do something with him, and he's, he's possibly able to make money with. Mm. And and to me, I, I, you go by that. Now, as Samoa Joe walked through a Walmart, I think you're going to hear, hey, that's a big guy. I think you're going to hear, hey, that may be a ball player right there. But you're not going to hear as much as you would hear, let's say, there's The Rock, there's Stone Cold. You're not going to hear the actual words, hey, there's Samoa Joe. They're not going to say, hey, they need to say, hey, there's that guy. There's that, 
dude on TV that does that that wrestling stuff. And and, and I, I don't mean everybody would be like that, but I just feel like he's in that kind of a window, yeah. a little bit of. If people see me, for example, not that I'm as popular as Lord Joe, he's got a job, and I don't, my God. I mean, it's just, they're the facts. Mm-hmm. But when they see me, there's no doubt there's Buck Bagwell. Hey, look around, there's Buck Bagwell. There's not, you know, hey, what do you do? Are you a ball player? Are you a, you know, it's just, hey, you're Buck Bagwell, man. You know, and there's a, there's a lot to be said with that, you know, and, and a TV is called a curating. You know, and, and like Hulk Hogan's Q-rating, it's huge. Everybody knows it. And how big your Q-rating is means a lot in the world of television. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't think a lot of those guys like that, you know, that get that get pushes and get and that are over stuff, you know, they really wouldn't be recognizable as, as, as some people think they are if they just walk through as simple as walking through a Walmart or going through a Six Flags amusement park or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that philosophy is very interesting because I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a big traditionalist, and I'm a big fan of characters. And I think one of the reasons why – and I think wh- – I know one of the reasons why the WWE audience has dissolved and uh, and shrunken so much is because they're catering to the house too much and they have good wrestlers but not good characters. I'm really good. I'm glad that you said that. You make you just bull, you just bullseye what I'm saying. There's there. I mean exactly. They're, they, I mean they they're great wrestlers, but used to on Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Nitro. When every match from the first one to the last one, you saw everybody stand up. Watch Monday Night Raw next week, and it'll be maybe twice the whole night you'll see that first row stand up. Yeah. And it's just that's that's when you know you're over or not. And now and, and the catch is they've all got belts and they're champs and they can wrestle and they can. But is that selling a ticket? Right. It's not. It's not money. And I got told a long time ago when the internet first started by saying Hugh Morris wasn't money. And I got a ton of heat for it. And me and Hugh were great friends. But I still, I don't retract what I said. It, it, he, he wasn't money at the time. It, it was a good gimmick. It was it was cool. I enjoyed him. I like him as a person. But if you say it's Hugh Morris money, I, I just didn't think he was at the time. And I got a ton of heat for saying it. Mm-hmm. I mean a ton. <laughs> I mean I went to him and said, "Dude, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if this was when internet stuff was just first starting. So of course it just it just like fire went through the locker room, and I had to go straight to Hugh and try to fix it. And I didn't lie. I said, you, I just." The guy asking, you know, who I thought the money players were. I said, I didn't even say my own name, you. I said, Sheen, Luger, Goldberg. I said, I didn't even say my own name. I said, but when they said your name, I, if they just said my name, I'd have said no. But when they said your name and I said no, I said, you, do you really think you're a money player? <laughs> yeah, I said, do you really believe that? Yeah. And he goes... He said, no, it's just the way you said it, you know. I said, dude, you're, you're taking it too personal. I, I, I spoke the truth. Me and you aren't money when it comes to a Sting, a Luger, a Goldberg, a Hogan. We're not that kind of money right now. We may be, but we're not right now. Mm-hmm. 
I said, so don't be mad at so but my point is same thing with this. It's just you're exactly right. It's gone to wrestlers and to be frank, I don't think nobody cares about the wrestling part. I think they want some characters. Of course they do. Absolutely. I mean you know, as much as people don't want to admit, you know, characters are still way over. I'm glad that you mentioned CM Punk because I want to talk to him real quick. Um, you know, of course, you know, last weekend he endeavored into his debut match. He got totally destroyed by Mickey Gall. Do you think that was a good idea for CM Punk to endeavor in UFC and to be in a big money marquee match, his very, very first fight of his professional MMA career? It was a great, great question, and, I, and God, I've got a great answer for it, too, because it's amazing how all this came to me. So I'm going to tell you how it came to me. I watch ESPN a lot. It's my favorite program. I love that channel. I love it. I watch it every morning. I watch it at night a lot. I want to watch ESPN the most out of any channel. And I've noticed over the last year, it seems, probably the last year, I've noticed hearing like CM Punk's name and every time MMA was mentioned or UFC and, and you know and, and I'm not a big UFC fan. So I just kinda of listened every once in a while and thought it was pretty cool that CM Punk was in the MMA and didn't really think much about it. Well about a month ago, I'm at a wrestling show somewhere and I go, you know, God damn man, I tell you what, I'd like to have CM Punk's, you know, his agent. I mean, you get when you get to say the words Buck Backwell or Rick Flair or CM Punk on ESPN, you're doing something right. I said, God, what? I said, what's his record? And the guy goes, he hasn't had his first fight yet. And I went, what? I said, what is that? I've been hearing CM Punk's name on ESPN for a good year. I said, I want his manager. So not only has this been in horribly on the answer of what I'm going to give you, but he was able to stay over for a year and not have a fight. And then when you go out and take such a big fight and get beat up, I mean, brother, that leaves not a dent and not a scratch. That leaves a scar. Mm. I mean, that's something that can't, I'm not sure that can be fixed. Mm. So it was a bad, bad decision. But whoever his manager is, to keep his name getting said without having a fight, weighing a buck fifty or whatever he weighs. What does he weigh? One hundred seventy. One seventy. Yeah, he, he does. Okay, one seventy. Uh, I mean, Simmons or Rail, he don't look like a like a tough guy. I've heard some things, and he don't look it. Um, but to be able to get talked about on a pretty regular basis, uh, Bravo, hey. Bravo! When you go out and get beat up real bad, that is really bad. Yeah, yeah. That is. So I, I hate it. Well, I was, I was rooting for him because that makes us all look good. You know, pro wrestler, you know, wins. All right, we're tough. We're, we're kind of tough too, you know. Yeah. But instead, he goes out and gets his brains beat out. Yeah. That ain't good. <laughs> yeah, that was that was horrible. <laughs> It was. I felt sorry for him, dude. Yeah, yeah. Huge cauliflower ear to uh, initiate him. Oh. Yeah, it was. It was bad. So my last question to you, Marcus, is that so last last month, um, you know, it was it was reported that uh, you filed a lawsuit uh, regarding the WWE for the royalties uh, for the WWE ne- network. Um, now, of course, you know all. Everyone who's listening and who are going to listen, 
would love to know, you know, the details as much as you can share as far as your purpose for saying, you know what, now's the time, I'm going to follow lawsuit, and what was your reasoning behind it at this point of time? That's a great, that's just said perfectly, actually. And I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, I'm sitting at home one day, and I keep in mind over the years, I was, I got called for that concussion lawsuit that's going on. You know how the boys are. They're, they're, come on, let's just call it like it is. There's a lot of trash in this business, a lot of it. So there's a lot of trash in every business. Let's go that route. There's a lot of trash in every business, and there's trash in this one. And I, I got called on the concussion thing. I remember me and Lex talking about it, you know, like, what? come on, man, really? You know, I mean, I don't got a concussion. Nobody made me do anything. And it was just a, it was just a, a scam reaching out for things, you know. I was, that's ridiculous. Well, I probably get, I probably over the years have had three, four, five of those kind of phone calls where somebody saw a loophole and was trying to get a, you know, everybody together to go after events or whatever. And, and I just, every time I'm like, you got to be kidding. Well, one day I get a call about a year ago, probably, from a guy, from a, from a lawyer, well, my guy, that know, I still never met the guy in my life. You know, I'm over the phone, super great guy, though, his name is Matthew Peterson. And uh, he, he calls me over the phone and says, hey, um, Buff, and he just talks to me for a minute. He says, I'm doing a thing where I'm checking on, you know, um, independent contracts and just kind of seeing, you know, I know a lot about WCW and WWE. He kind of sold, maybe he me his resume over the phone. And it was a good one. And, he, and he, I like the way he spoke. And I like the way he talked. And he said, listen, what I basically do is I look at your, you know, your, your, your contract. And I see if, you know, if, if you're, if you're, do you feel like you've been mistreated at all? And, and if you do, we, we look at some openings and see. What, how do you feel about that? And I said, I'll, I'll send you a copy of my contract today, no problem. Take a look at it, see what you think. So I send you my contract, and um, you're going to realize that the property in a class action lawsuit of some sort, let's say, there's, you know, there's a, a bunch of people always. That's why I call, you know, there's a bunch of people involved. Well, there ain't a whole lot of people that worked for the WCW, the WWF, and the WWE. And I fall in that little small group of, of names that did that. And so maybe that's why this slaughter was intrigued at first, even. So I said, I said, I said well, the only thing I, I'm, I'm, that I'm upset about is every single week, this is a year ago, I said, but every single week I hear somebody, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I saw you on last week, you know, you were on Monday night, I mean, you are on WWE, and I was, they're, they're showing the, 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 the NWO part right now, or you beat up Scott, your eggs, blah, blah, blah. Well, the first time I heard that, no big deal. You know, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really think nothing about it. All of a sudden, brother, I'm hearing two cold Scorpios, Scotty Riggs, you know, Nancy Boys. I'm like, God, God. so me and this lawyer were talking here this time. Well, well, he finally sees where they didn't, uh, through their wording, release me. They didn't fire me. They released me is the wording. I'm not quite sure how that works, but on the legal aspect, but they released me is the wording of it. And, um, uh, but they, I really believe, long story short, I realized I wasn't getting any checks anymore. Every once in a while I'd get a, you know, 
hundred arc jack, a two hundred arc jack here and there. Adding the thing to be over some NWO something, but nothing was ever WWE Network. Never. It was always some kind of NWO tape that sold that I was on, or. Uh, t-shirts or, or whatever. And the last thing I got from them, and that's what got me on this, was probably probably five, six, seven years ago was the last check I got from them. Mm. And it was probably a hundred bucks. And all of a sudden I'm hearing, you know, WWE, WWE, I mean, uh, you know, the network, 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 and I'm all, always on it, you know? And the little kids come up to me, yeah, I saw you and my daddy had me watch you on TV, uh, and so me and Noir start talking, and uh, sure enough, he finds a loophole where they owe me. Uh, it's it's I can't I can't quite remember the the breakdown. But it's a breakdown that they gotta pay me a certain amount of money quarterly, and uh, and that's all that they see rolls down to. If they're going to show me on television, fantastic. But give me a percentage of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to show, you, you know, they show, you don't have to go in and show a video of somebody they don't want to have a rating. They're trying to draw a rating, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go NWO out. Well, if they want to draw a rating and get paid, share, share the wealth. If you're going to use me to draw and make money, sure. then, then give me my cut too. You know, give me my percentage. And so this is something that just happened. It's just something that just became um, relevant because I would never hire a lawyer, go out and do this. It, should, it would just be too big of a battle. Yeah. If I have a lawyer call me up and go, hey, let's, let me do this and let's see what we can do, hey, brother, knock yourself out. And that's basically what I had happen. And he ends up being a really good guy that is taking this thing the whole way, and it's actually everything he sold me has been straight up and worked. And basically what's really happened, I think, is I've, I've slipped through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost him some money. And, I mean, he's actually looking at it, which I know this ain't going to happen, but he's actually thinking that they'll call to try to hire me back and instead of paying me what they owe me. Because, I mean, to me, it's a smart move for them because you hire me black, you get some ratings out of me, beat me, do whatever, instead of just paying me a lump sum of money for doing nothing for you. You know, I think it's a smart move on their part. But, uh, and I would do it, by the way. But, uh, but I, that's, that's definitely not going to happen. I just know, I know the feeling in my stomach. I know the feeling of... I think I know the feeling, let me say that. I think I know the feeling of how Vince feels about me. Uh, I know how the WWE and F talent thinks of me because they look at me as they never met Mark. Mm. They don't know Mark Bagwell. They know Internet buff. Mm. They don't know Mark. So, and, and that entire company never got a chance to meet Mark. And that's uh, the, the agents, the bookers, the, the storyline guys. None of those guys ever got a chance to meet Mark Bagwell except for two weeks. And so, you know, all they did was read about Buff. It was bad stuff. And then we go out and have a... I've watched it back several times. I thought it was kind of an average match, but supposedly a horrible match, and you fire you fire Buff over a bad match. I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it. But 
that's that's the story. And you know, there's there's other ones uh, that my mom called, and uh, you know, that, that like you said before, that's been beat to death. Long story short, so we can just get it over with. Jim Ross called me, let me off for the weekend. So we had big plans for y'all Monday, and I was tired of going on that Monday. And the bad part of it is, he said my mother did it, and we've got no proof, except he says he liked me. He liked me, but he also forgot he went on that roundtable thing and just ripped me apart on that on that DVD. We talked really bad about it, but when Steve Austin confronted him after our podcast, he said, I know what they were doing, but I like that. He ripped me apart on that roundtable meeting thing with him and Bischoff, and I think it was Mike Graham, and oh my God, he killed me. And uh, but to say he didn't have nothing personal against me is a flat out lie because he did have something personal. Why would he talk bad that did that little roundtable deal? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you present a very fair point. It makes a lot of sense of saying, you know, if they're going to probably. Yeah, so I mean, long story short, it's real simple. Uh, I've been quite finished. I apologize. I ran off there. But, I mean, honestly, you know, if you're going to show me on your network, pay me a percentage. Yeah. And that's basically all it boils down to. It's just, if you're going to use me, be like telling my dogs, and they're not, not paying me. If that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay the talent. If you're going to sell and make money, then you got to give the talent a percentage. And that's all we're asking for is we're asking for our percentage when you show me on your network. And so that's really all it boils down to. Sounds, yeah. It's, it's Like I said, it's a very, very fair point. I mean, it's not really much you can dispute about that. I, I, I thought it made a lot of sense. And then I've just been getting ripped apart on it like guys going, Oh, he's crazy. I mean, they don't know the story about, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't go out and hire a lawyer to do this. This is something that was presented to me and it's not costing me a dime. And if I could do that, who wouldn't do what I'm doing? Everybody would. Yeah. And that's basically what's happened. I had a chance to, a lawyer that really is a legit lawyer, this guy's some stroke. He had he called me up because he, like 99% of the other population of the world, really don't quite get why I didn't have a career at WWF. It is kind of weird that I didn't work there. You know, everybody in the world knew that Buff was going to fit in the WWF. And two weeks later, Buff was fired and going home. So it was still kind of weird. And to this day, I get asked 15, 16 years later, what happened, man? Why, why were you? <laughs> I'm like, dude, please. I've had to answer that so many times. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. Where can we find you on social media? I am everywhere. Marcus Buff Bagwell. Everything is Marcus Buff Bagwell, except Twitter is Mark Buff Bagwell. It didn't fit. But Marcus Buff Bagwell is my Instagram, Facebook, and uh, the Twitter is Mark Buff Bagwell. Awesome. You got any dates coming up? I do, man. I'm actually I'm booked really solid, which is great. And I just got back when I was in uh, on Saturday. I was in uh, Illinois, kind of a small show, and I was in a real big show out in San Antonio with with Billy Gunn and uh, the Morrison kid. Looks so good. Um, um, I can't, I can't, I don't quite get his new name now. The new Lucha Underground stuff. What's his name? Johnny Mundo. Yeah, what is the Mundo from? I was a little bit lost on that. 
Yeah. Does that mean does that mean Morrison and, and Mexican or something, or what is the deal? No, it's it's more of a lucha feel. Uh, you know, since he's in uh, lucha lucha underground now, you know, it's kind of like as close to Morrison, keep kind of keeping the brand because he really branded himself very very well as John Morrison after many many different you know incarnations. Uh, and yes. So, and so Mundo fits you know close enough to the to the Morrison gimmick. But he's a really nice, the first time I really got a chance to really talk to him, he's a really nice guy, he still looks fantastic, man, God, he looks incredible, him and another guy with a beard that's got a great body, um, they had a hell of a match, at the, a really good match at the end of the main event, but it was a good card, man, it was really good, it was me and me, Cole Cabana was the first match. So it was a really, really, really good, good show, good show, good matches, and um, thought we had you know thousands of people there as in San Antonio. So uh, this week I'm in um, uh, Maryville, Tennessee, and then next week I'm in Blairsville, Georgia, and the next week I'm up in uh, uh, Maryland with uh, Shane Douglas. Fantastic! Thanks so much for your time, Buff, and uh, wish you the best, man. I hope everything uh, works out very well for you. Hey, stay in touch. I'll do your show sometime again, so let me know. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much, uh, Buff Bagwell. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Buff. He's the stuff, and the girls just can't get enough, according to his philosophy, right? <laughs> that was one of his – that was his bread and butter in WCW as far as uh, what he wanted everyone to believe, and he backed it up with uh, – his in-ring work and, and many other things, and you know it's so funny because uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring the amazing uh, guest co-host on here in just a just a moment, just a very very quick moment. Uh, it's very interesting how you know uh, many perceptions come from different podcasts and different interviews and different you know um, takes from different people and different perceptions and things like that. So I'm going to bring on the guest host, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as well as, well as uh, the, the the weekly uh, things that we talk about, which is the headlines. We've got some fun headlines. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce the guest co-host for this evening. Uh, this, this man, I, I've known him for about four or so years now. Uh, we used to be, both of us were featured, uh, were both former feature columnist for the Bleach Report, and uh, both of us um, wrote some really cool articles and had some very, very high reads. Uh, I remember uh, this this person and I would usually uh, stay up there as far as the uh, the top reads for the month, and so uh, I'm sure that he was honored to, to have the support, and I sure was. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, former Bleach Report feature columnist, none other than Travis Taylor. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a blast being here, and it's good to talk to you. Oh. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's great, man. I'm, I'm glad that uh, uh, you're on the show tonight, man. I'm ready to talk some wrestling. I'm ready to have some fun. So, yeah, uh, Buff yeah. Bagwell, right. man, and uh, like, I was, like I was saying, you know, for so many years and so many things, you know, there's so many reports and so many perceptions. And so it was actually really good to talk to him. And I think that he really has a very fair point regarding the reasoning behind his lawsuit. Absolutely. I agree 110%. Um, 
I, I like to think of it as, as when you're looking at the, the reruns of your sitcoms and your movies, when they play them on TV, all the actors and the performers, they get the residuals. When it's shown on television, you get the residuals mm-hmm. when you do the commercials, when you're an actor in a commercial. It's, I don't see it being any different with the wrestlers and the performers on the WWE Network. They should get paid for their work being shown. They put their time and their effort into that. I agree with them 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think that there's I don't think there's an argument against it. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you could, you could put anyone in that same spot and say, hey, you know, do you want to do you if you have the option to get residuals and royalties, would you take it or would you not take it? I mean, who would say they won't take residuals and royalties from? I mean, who would say that? You know, so like, no, I think if, yeah, if they told yeah. you no, they'd be lying. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't want that money. I don't want any royalties or anything. You know. Come on now. No, of course not. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Headlines, just like every week. Here we go. All right. Just like. We've been doing for the entire series. We're going to start off with the takeaways from the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, last week we had Noam Dar uh, go against Zack Sabre Jr. and then TJ Perkins go against Rich Swan. What were your takeaways, Travis? Let me just say right off the bat, the Cruiserweight Classic is being presented perfectly. This is if if you're not watching the Cruiserweight Classic, you are missing out on some fantastic wrestling, fantastic mm-hmm. storytelling. I have nothing bad to say about this tournament. Um, I think Kota Ibushi is fantastic. Um, all the guys that are down into the Final Four, um, fantastic. This past week, um, Jack, watching Jack, uh, excuse me, uh, Zach Saber Jr. take on uh, Noam Dar. That am I in the wrong week? I think I'm in the wrong week on that. Am I? Nope, nope. You are. No, no okay. I'm on the right week with that. <laughs> this thing's been going on for almost 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, what a fantastic, fantastic match. Um, Zach uh, Sabre Jr., he's just incredible to watch. I love Noam Dar, but I think he just danced circles around him in the ring this past week. He was yeah. incredible. And uh, and the same thing with T.J. Perkins. I think Rich, Rich Swan, he's got the entertainment part down, but I felt like this past week – he was too much about the entertainment. He was dancing, playing out to the crowd. T.J. Perkins was focused, and he, he went in there and he took it. He out-wrestled him. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this is, you know, the best. I mean, I'm a big NXT fan, too, but this is the best element of WWE programming, period, to me. And I think that yeah. it just really brings out just an amazing element. It just—it's it, such a breath of fresh air when it comes to WWE TV for me. And you know, I interviewed—I've interviewed a bunch of—I've interviewed Cedric Alexander, I've interviewed uh, Arya Davari, I've interviewed Sean Maluda. Um, I think I might be missing one person, but yeah, I—I I, you know, and it's—and it, and it's great to to really to have their um, take uh, on it, and it, and it's great to see that. Um, and, you know, I actually talked to Noam Dar, um, a couple of days ago uh, about being on my show. I talked to Zach Sabre Jr. as well. And, you know, it's, 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 it's great to, to have these people, to have these contestants. Oh, Johnny Gargano, I interviewed him too. Um, it's, it's great to have these contestants, um, to really 
you know, showcase themselves. Not all, not everyone's going to be signed uh, to a contract, but it does so much for them as a brand that it, it just there's nothing negative about this. I mean, of course, every single person who entered into uh, the Cruiserweight Classic was, you know, they weren't expecting a contract. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's great. Like I, I interviewed Arya Devara and Sean Maluda, and they're teaming up uh, together, you know, to go against the Bollywood uh, brothers, Bollywood boys. Wow. And so, you know, and, and so it's it, it's great. It's really really great to see this. And I think you know when it comes to Raw uh, this coming Monday, I think it's going to bring such an amazing element. Uh, as far as last week, you know, it's uh, for some reason I was expecting Zach, Zach Saber Jr. But I was just pulling for Noam Dar just a little bit just for the just for the shock, you know, factor. Yeah. Um, and as far as Rich Swan and uh, T.J. Perkins, those are two of my favorites. Period. I've, I follow Rich Swan in the Indies. I think he was great. Uh, I've mm-hmm. I've always had a soft spot for T.J. Perkins, especially when he was suicide and manic. I think that his <laughs> entering work is impeccable. Uh, he was placed in a very odd gimmick, but still had an opportunity to really showcase his entering work. So. It didn't matter who won there between Rich Swan or TJ Perkins. For me, I was I'm I'm a fan of both of them. So I was really happy mm-hmm. with with both the outcomes. It was it was just a really really great week of wrestling, and I'm looking forward to uh, the two hour finale that's going to air tomorrow. Absolutely, we what a what a finale it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be Obushi versus Perkins, uh, Grand Metalik uh, versus Saber. It's going to be fantastic. Absolutely, sure I, I, will. I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's really going to be a great time, and the the fact it's going to be two hours too. It's, it's, it's there's going it's there's going to be. I, I have a really good feeling that it's going to be a really good presentation tomorrow. So, yeah, on a more somber great. note, unfortunately, uh, Colton Rude, uh, the son of Rick Rude, he dies of a motorcycle crash at the age of 19. It's just it's really tough to see things like this and just the legacy that comes with the Rude family and Rick Rude. If I'm not mistaken, he hasn't hit the Hall of Fame yet. Am I correct? That is correct. He he's not in, and I for the life of me, I can't understand why. I don't know what's holding him. What what Vince is thinking? What they're thinking over the WWE? Ravishing Rick Rude was always one of my favorites growing up. Um, when I was a kid, um, he was the guy that inspired me to want to start working out. I used to look at him and be like, I want to be ripped like Ravishing Rick Rude. <laughs> and yeah. and and his matches were incredible. His his uh, Intercontinental Title match against the Ultimate Warrior, I loved it. Um, I hope he's in the Hall of Fame one day soon. And it, like you said, such this just broke my heart to hear that his his son, 19 years old, killed in a in a, a motorcycle wreck. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, really tough. I, it's it's really tough. And you know, and I, I just my prayers are with the family and friends of of the Rude family. Um, and, and you know, and it's just. Like you like you said, it's just you know there's such a, an amazing legacy that comes with you know the Rudes specifically Rick Rude and it just makes no sense to me why he's not in the, in the Hall of Fame. I just don't understand. He's he's one of the best heels that WWE has ever had. Period. I mean, Absolutely. I would say him, Piper, DiBiase are three of the best heels. You know, as far as wrestlers, Bobby Heenan's mm-hmm. up there as far as a personality or a talent. But yeah, though, I mean, those three to me are three of the best heels that the WWE's ever had. Absolutely. I, I yeah. still watch, watching the program today, I still think back to Ravaging with Rude. I'm looking at the heels. I'm like, oh, if he doesn't do it like Rude does it. 
yeah. like you said, <laughs> such such an icon of uh, heel wrestling. <laughs> I yeah. have a better way to say that. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy Dreamer states in a recent interview that the lack of creative power from WWE is why he doesn't have interest in return. He mentioned uh, how uh, he he was booked. I, be, I believe the 2005 he had just about full booking control of ECW uh, one night stand and it had such amazing ratings. And then after that, the WWE just kind of bridled any of his you know the opportunity to really exert his creative juices. And they always try to put their stamp and brand on it, and we see that now. We've we've been see we've been seeing that, and it just makes sense. I mean, you know, he's got his heart, house of hardcore thing going, and it's going very well. Um, yeah. And it's just um, it, it's just really unfortunate that they don't give people like Dreamer and you know Paul Heyman when when he was just at war with Vince as far as booking the WWE's version of ECW. And when he was booking SmackDown, you know, it, it's really tough that they really don't have enough faith and confidence in, in veterans, you know, to allow them to have creative, their creative juices flowing without them putting the WWE stamp on it. Right. It, it almost feels like micromanaging at its finest there. Absolutely. It, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it, it just blows my I, I And I'm not sure what the what the issue is. I, I don't know if it's, if it goes back to like maybe Vince McMahon, maybe he just is so conscious and so wrapped up in the WWE image. That he can't let anybody else contribute to that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not in the man's head, but I really hope I, I enjoy seeing what Triple H has been doing with NXT. And I hope that this is the direction the WWE is going to be going in, um, open to more independent wrestlers who have made their name outside of the WWE. They can, I don't think we're ever going to see uh, the WWE product without that WWE stamp on it. But it mm-hmm. would be nice if they loosened up the reins a little bit, and like you said, and, and uh, let some of these veterans that have been in this business for a long time really show the world what they can do, how, how exciting this business can be. Absolutely, very, very true. And then, and then you know, a lot of the veterans bring in the nuances that wrestling needs as a whole you know even from mm-hmm. a psychology standpoint I, I interviewed jake roberts and he was saying that like he just he doesn't like the current product because the element of psychology is just is missing drastically and i one billion percent agree with that as an <laughs> old school wrestling fan it's so true i mean there, there's not yeah. there's not many clear-cut baby face and heels if any really you know, there's only a few yeah. pure heels. There's only a couple or a few pure faces. That dynamic is basically, you know, endangered, which is, you know, and I and I said this yesterday on my Raw review of Facebook Live. But, you know, you, you wonder why the the, the market has has shrank, you know, so drastically. I mean, you're talking about in a matter of a dozen years, you've shrank, you know, 10 million viewers, and so you know, it, it makes it tough. You know, because that that psychology and the fact that there's not a clear cut baby face and heel, uh, it, it, it makes a difference. And I, and when I think about Tommy Dreamer, I always think about his two year long feud with with Raven, you know, in ECW, oh. and just how much he was the underdog baby face, and everybody was rallying behind him. Raven was mm-hmm. such a villainous, evil heel, and it worked yeah. so beautifully. Absolutely, and it would still work in yeah. 2016. Yeah. 
Yep. We need wrestling's always been about the characters. I mean, yeah, yep. I love seeing beautiful wrestling, but you got to have the characters. You got to have that clear cut uh, good guy, bad guy, you know, babyface, heel, whatever you want to call it. People, people connect with things they can relate to, mm-hmm. and people understand good guy, bad guy, and yep. it's that that whole you know tweener thing's not always clear. And I really think you need that one side or the other. It works. It'll still work. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. If Batman was a tweener, he wouldn't be Batman. Exactly. <laughs> if Spider-Man was a tweener, he wouldn't be Spider-Man. So yeah. that, that's what wrestling should, uh, that's the philosophy that should, should come behind, you know, wrestling as well. The mm-hmm. cross-face biopic bio is in the works, uh, documenting Chris Benoit. So uh, a director uh, assumed the role uh, to, to extend it and, and make it a, make it a go. Official. Yeah. This is very, very interesting because you know I, I'm a I'm a PhD student right now in psychology, and I had an opportunity to uh, write a, 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 a psychology of personality um, class. I had a couple quarters ago. I had an opportunity to just it was a, a blank slate. I had an opportunity to write about anything I want, and interestingly enough, I wrote about Chris Benoit, um, and I got an A on the paper. And, oh, nice. you know, it, uh, I'm actually trying to get it published. Um, uh, with, uh, I'm trying to get the article uh, published uh, through um, uh, a, 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 a site, uh, like a, uh, uh, an article publishing um, many with, with, with many articles uh, within. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 uh, cool. I addition. Uh, so I'm really uh, – it, it's really interesting because it, it, when I saw this, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, this is really uh, relative to what have, what I've been studying, and I'm really interested to see it. I mean, you know, he's tarnished his career from what I've done, from what he's done, but, you know, just the, the CTE factor of it and just the damage that, you know, was, was told to him as far as, you know, how old his brain was, was basically – nearly double his age. I think, I think they said like 80 and it was just, you know, all the stuff they said based on, you know, his just mental faculties and the state of it at that time, it's really interesting to see how they kind of uh, pan all that out. And, and, and you know, it's the situation is ridiculous. It's heinous. You know, he was a coward doing it, but at the same time, I am, I, I admittedly am interested to see, how they how they kind of put this together? Absolutely, and I I really hope that they they take it in, the, in a very serious route. I, I don't want to. Right. A lot of times, the wrestling pictures can get campy, or they don't take it seriously. I really bothers me. But I mean, uh, they've hired on uh, Lexi Alexander, I believe is her name. Uh, mm-hmm. She directed Punisher Warzone, and I'm interested to see, like same as you, how they're going to handle this. Um, such a disturbing topic and it's still uh, if you read any kind of wrestling message boards people still are uh, torn about this mm-hmm. about the, the, what, the horrible things he did in his life and can you separate that from his wrestling accomplishments and from a personal standpoint i don't know i don't know if you can i don't mm-hmm. know if, if that can be erased out but i'm interested to see how they're going to take this um this movie i hope they take it seriously it's going to be i hope it's going to be um eye-opening. I hope they really bring light to the issues with the head injuries and CTE. 
Yep, absolutely. Alberto Dorio states that Andre Cien Almas wants to leave the WWE. You know, he was talking about uh, in a recent interview, he was saying that he's talked to him and he's just, he wants out and uh, he even called him fat. He said that they're friends, but he was, uh, you know, when he was uh, doing, when he was in Mexico, uh, he was a lot leaner. He said he's gotten fat, which I, did, I don't see that, but, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's gotten fat and he, he, he doesn't feel right in the WWE and he wants out. It, it's interesting that he would just kind of put his friend, quote unquote, on blast like that, who's a current WWE employee. I mean, I don't think that that's very protective. No, I don't think so either. If, uh, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> odd that he would bring him up. When it, I, I don't think he has anything to do with the um, Alberto Del Rio situation at all. Right. At least as, as far as I can tell. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> it makes me shake my head because he's fat. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, if I remember I, the, if I remember his press conference correctly, he was saying something about uh, that he wasn't happy um, having to change. I think so much of his style. Um, right. There was so much he had to change everything to get to the WWE style. And I, I can understand that. I think if you know, if you're, especially coming from a, a different promotions, you've had a great success building your brand, and you walk in and they say, "Oh, well, you're going to take all and throw that all out the window, and you're going to be something different now, so you can fit into what our uh, our view is." I can understand the frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to have to decide. You know, does he want to stick to what he knows works, his brand himself, or does he want to? you know, be with the WWE, because let's be honest, it's still, to quote, you know, WCW, it's where the big boys play. This is, that's right. Want, <laughs> I mean, you want the money, you want to, you want to, the, the fame, you want to be able to do this. This is where you need to be. And some things have to be sacrificed and he needs to decide if he's willing to make that sacrifice. If he's not, then, then he should ask for his release. Yeah. Very, very true. And I don't think that he's at the point where he's big enough or, 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 uh, high enough in the echelon for it to matter, you know, if if he gets released or not. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't think that they'll kind of strong arm him like they like they're doing Daniel Bryan, and like they yeah. did Ray Mysterio. You no, know, I, I don't think they'll strong arm him if he just says, "Hey, I can I go?" You know, what I mean, so um, <laughs> I, I don't think it'll be the same as uh, Bryan or Mysterio. No, we'll get that little blurb on WWE dot com saying, "Hey." We released him. Best wishes in your future endeavors. Exactly in the future yeah. endeavors, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, we got CM Punk, UFC 203. Uh, I watched it. I watched the entire thing, and I had my laptop out and was typing away. And you know, it's um, I, I yeah, where do I start with this thing? I. You know, I, I I think I think Buff made a very good point, and and I and I and I agree. I mean, I, you know, I I wrote an article on Sportskeeda about it, and um, you know, just I don't, I think that it was such a horrible move, to be honest with you. I, you know, and here's here's my thing: if he wants to endeavor MMA, more power to him. I'm all I'm all fine for that. But who in the world? would have the decency, would have the intelligence, the logic to debut on a big stage. You have zero 
professional MMA experience. Zero. You train for the south end of two years, and for some reason, somehow, that is going to allow you to have an inkling of a chance to win. I, I'm personally, if I can be, if I can be honest, I don't think that CM Punk came in thinking that he had a shot of winning. I mean, he, he, he probably talked himself into thinking that, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to do this and it's going to be good. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. But it's one of those things that, eh, you know, it was, it was a really, really bad idea. And I, and I, you know, I looked at uh, like one or two of the, um, of the series leading into the, the, the fight of the evolution of punk. And, you know, it's just, AJ Lee was talking about how she doesn't want to look at him, uh, you know, fight. And it's one of those things that I don't know who was around him that was egging him on to do this, but he needs new friends because that was such a horrible idea. <laughs> and someone should have stopped him before he got to the octagon. Like, hey, hey, Phil, hey, Phil. Okay. Dream's over. Walk back. You're still probably going to get your purse. Just let it go. Oh, my God. That's funny. That's and so spot on. Um, I, I watched all those episodes of the uh, uh, the Punk Docu series on uh, ESPN, and they did a great job of building up the image and this this aura of CM Punk. But when it came down to it, it's like you like you said. I, I think it was the experience thing that did Punk in. I mean, yeah, Mickey Gall only had uh, two bouts under his belt, but but two more fights than CM Punk had. And right. and I'm sorry, but but you know. The UFC and MMA is a completely different beast than professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Completely different. And uh, I I mean, he could have trained for five years. I think he needed to get out there and fight some people before he walked out there at uh, UFC and, and uh, did that in front of everybody. Because, man, I really, really wanted CM Punk to win. After all this buildup, I wanted him to get out there and have his hand raised. Uh, but I, in my gut, I knew he was going to go down. <laughs> I just knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I'm just shaking my head. I, I got a question for you about CM Punk and this. Do you, do you feel like I kind of feel like, with everything that went on with him in the WWE, when he got all upset about them bringing in guys from the outside and part timers that take the top spots, uh, and he walked down the company, and then he goes to UFC and walks right in with no experience and gets into a top spot and a big show and a big purse. Isn't he a little bit of a hypocrite here? Yeah. It's counterproductive to his whole, his entire point because he's talking about people being placed in spots that they don't, they don't deserve it. But, dude, listen, he left with a half million dollars, and that's oh, the base. That, that's not including rebound sponsors. Yeah, that's not including money that he's received, incentive money from the gate. Meanwhile, the person who destroyed him got 6% of what he received. He got $30,000 for the entire fight, and that's because he got a $15,000 win bonus. So he got $15,000 from the fight base. CM Punk got $500,000. And so uh, isn't that kind of undermining the entire spiel that you had in in pro wrestling? (laughs) It certainly does. That, yeah, I, I, I man, don't I feel, understand that at all. 
that is just not fair. I don't, I'm sorry, but right. I understand CM Punk is a bigger name, maybe out, you know. But uh, come on, Mickey Gall. I mean, he's in this. This is his. I feel like I feel like CM Punk might do this, maybe one more fight, and then he's going to be done. But this is Mickey mm-hmm. Gall's career. He's going to be doing this for years, and I think he's going to be huge. He ought to be getting a bigger purse there. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like. It, you know, it was only his third fight, but he looked good. I mean, he, yeah, looked, he, he looked impressive. Like, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, CM Punk never fought before, but at the same time, you know, Brock Lesnar didn't look horrible against Frank, Frank Muir. He just got caught off guard and, and was forced to tap. You know, I mean, it, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't horrible. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he won his second fight, but Lesnar didn't look terrible his first fight, um, yeah. and, and so. The whole first fight thing for CM Punk is, you know, that's that's not a good enough reason. Everybody has had their first fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ken, yeah. You know, Ken Shamrock, Frank Shamrock, Royce Gracie, you know, Tito Ortiz. They they've all had a, their first fight. So you can't you can't mm-hmm. present that to me, you know, as an excuse. But at the same time, five hundred thousand dollars for something that you may do one more time. That's right. Uh, you know that's that's something that uh, needs to be uh, needs to be rectified there. Yeah. All right, ladies and, and gentlemen. And Dana White. Get, yeah. Dana I was going to say Dana White made it made it clear. I don't think he he wants you Punk to have another fight in UFC. Yeah, and he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have had a first yeah. fight in UFC. That's that's the problem. <laughs> you know, he could have took that stuff to like Bellator or I forgot that company mm-hmm. that uh, I know that uh, lastly did a Bellator fighter sh- uh, or, or, or uh, two. Uh, and then he did. Um, I, I, I actually watched the fight. I forgot what the company was called, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you, you just you need experience before you come into the UFC. The UFC is the best of the best, and yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things that there's there's independent promotions that are filled with aspiring MMA stars who desire to be on that UFC stage. So I don't think it's fair for them, for someone who's been doing MMA for four or five, six years, doing and working these independent, you know, MMA shows just for, you know, someone like CM Punk for his namesake to come in and do it. You know, and I understand from, from Dana White's standpoint, that's, you know, just, that's just making his bank account, you know, just fat, you know, but at the same yeah. time, you know, that's that's not something that I would sacrifice for the expense of the brand of, of USC, mm-hmm. uh, UFC. And, and, and the thing is, they, they've done a good job not making it so hokey, you know, while while Dana White's been uh, been the uh, the president, they haven't really brought in any, you know, Names for namesake. I mean, you did. I think James Tony was on there. Of course, Brock Lesnar, uh, and then CM Punk. Uh, but at the same time, you know, for the for the uh, as we saw, you know, in the main event, uh, Stepe Myatic Myatic uh who was uh, from Ohio, uh, my fellow Ohioan. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, Alistair was still. You know, he's he's a good fighter. He he beat up Brock Lesnar, so. Yeah. UFC is is the real deal when it comes to MMA fighters, and you know, CM Punk is not an MMA fighter. He's he, he's no. living a dream, and we just saw just the embarrassing part of living a dream without being prepared for it, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so we got a few minutes here to, to talk some backlash. So what was your takeaways from backlash? Uh, I enjoyed backlash. I am very happy that um, AJ Styles walked away with the title. I And I, I like how he did it. Um, I feel like he's got a nice nice hold on this um this heel persona of his and I love the dynamic that he's got going on where he's he's good. He's really good and he doesn't need to cheat to win, but he does it cuz he can. I love that about his character. And um just the fact that it's AJ Styles is now the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, that just blows my mind. I'm thrilled about that. Um there were some some things I wasn't so happy with. Um uh I didn't really enjoy the Kane versus Bray Wyatt match. Um, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over Kane. I feel like maybe he's kind of overstayed his welcome in the WWE, and and I feel like the ball's been dropped really bad with Bray Wyatt. I don't find him intriguing at all, and I think they had this opportunity to really develop this creepy character of his, and um, he just, I don't know, I can't get behind the character. It feels like all he does is lose. Yeah. How can I? How can I be like, like feel like he's a threat when he loses every time he's mm-hmm. on a match? <laughs> it just Very doesn't true. make any sense to me. You know, I agree. So. I, I, you know, and it's not Bray's fault. It's it's creative's fault. You know, Bray's doing yeah. the best he can. I mean, his his he's a very he's an amazing promo cutter. You know, he's very oh, yeah. solid, very very solid in the ring, especially for his size. You got a near three hundred pound person. You know. You know, going around like a cruiserweight, and so yeah. you know he he's very good in the ring. Uh, I noticed that when he was Husky Harris, and so, mm-hmm. but you know, as far as backlash is concerned, I, I thought that was a, I thought it was a very solid pay per view. I, I thought for the most part, um, I I don't think Ambrose's money. I I've all, yeah. I've said that since the day one. I just. You know, and similar to what Buff was saying, you know, the Walmart, you know, uh, test, basically. That's the litmus test, the Walmart test. And he, <laughs> and if I'm looking at Dean Ambrose, I want to ask him, you know, where can I find, you know, some can of soup? I mean, <laughs> you know, he'll tell me aisle seven. You know, that's, that's right. when I look at Dean Ambrose, that's what I see. I, I see a Walmart employee. I don't see any, I don't see a big name. I see an employee, you know, and, and so. Yeah. And and that's and that's where I mean and, and Buff brings a pretty good point. I mean that's a very valid point. And I've been a uh, I've been in that philosophy for for all of my life. I was wrestling just about my entire life, and that philosophy rings true so much. I I totally agree with that. And and, and the very fact that the IWC and I tweeted this, I said you know that's the reason why you don't cater to the IWC because they'll turn on you as uh, quicker than the big show. And so. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things where we saw that on in backlash, and and AJ's been getting booed. I mean, he, he's it, it wasn't hey let's make the AJ the babyface. It's just legitimately people are getting tired of Dean Ambrose because his character's so bland. So, you know, I I, I would have hoped that that uh, AJ Styles would have wanted uh, in a more bigger you know, kind of, kind of setting because backlash to me uh, was just kind of like a glorified SmackDown. It was a solid pay-per-view, but it was just kind of a, it didn't have like a big fight or big stage feel to me, uh, especially since we were robbed 20 minutes and I'm still talking about that. 
it was <laughs> it was only two hours and forty minutes, and I'm like, uh, so is this really about to end right now? So I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of that, but overall, yeah. you know, I was I was cool, very happy that back back events won. Um, I, I'm a Absolutely. big fan of nuances. And so the Usos, uh, you know, having the black gear and no more war dance, I'm I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Slater's money, so I'm, re- I'm really happy that uh, Rhino and Slater won. Uh, and then lastly, as far as Kane and Bray Wyatt, I'm, I was actually okay with Kane winning because of what you said with Bray Wyatt, the fact that, you know – even if he would have beat Kane, it really wouldn't have done much, you know, because he's already he's already damaged goods at this point. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as Kane is concerned, I think that he's his whole career has almost been damaged goods, and anything would help him. And I think that, I, and I've said this for for months now. I think I think they should have a Kane versus Baron Corbin feud. I think I think Kane should put over Corbin, and I think if Kane beats someone like a Bray Wyatt. He has some kind of steam to to you know for, for Baron Corbin to uh, to benefit from when he defeats mm-hmm. Kane, so it, it can make him a stronger character. Absolutely. Oh, that that I would love to see that feud, and that de- yeah. Baron Corbin definitely would uh, could use that win over over Kane. I I think he's a solid character. I I I wasn't too sure how he's going to be handled when we went to the main roster, but I love what they've done with him. Um, I find him really entertaining, and he definitely needs oh, yeah. a big Wednesday. And they've got to—you got to get behind these characters if you want the, the audience and, and, and fans to get behind a character. Then the creatives got to get behind the character. They got to yes. push them. You know, if they're uh, a monster heel, let them be a monster heel that just destroys everybody. Not where they—not a heel where they get a win every once in a while. That drives mm-hmm. me up the wall. Very much so. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the Raw and SmackDown review. Second time, uh, we're going to combine the Raw and SmackDown review together. So, Travis, uh, what's your review and overall take from both Raw and SmackDown? Um, I've been very happy, especially this past week with Raw and SmackDown. Uh, for a long time, I felt like the product was getting kind of stale, um, and I was really scared going into this um, brand split because the last time it happened, I was not – a big fan of it, but I, I'm actually enjoying what they're doing so far. Um, uh, going over to Raw, I love Kevin Owens as Universal Champion. I, I he's the kind of champion that comes across the kind of champion that I like. That like a heel champion that is beatable. He looks like he could be beaten. You think, oh, he's going to lose any moment. Any guy can beat him, but they don't. I love him as champion. Um, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, I thought the the women's championship match, the, the number one contendership match, 
Dana, Dana Brooks, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. I really enjoyed that. I I, I had the feeling that the Sasha Banks was going to go over on the top. They're really, really solid behind Sasha Banks. I'd love to hear get the belt back. So I hope that happens. Um, jumping over on SmackDown, since we're combining these two together, um, I'm also happy with with, uh, with SmackDown. I'm not super thrilled that the uh, next match, that, that AJ Styles is going to be defending against Ambrose and John Cena. Um, I'm kind of tired of triple threat matches. Um, I think storyline-wise, I'd love to see. Ambrose has got to have his rematch. We've got to follow the rules. He needs to have his rematches one-on-one. Um, like you were saying earlier, I feel like Ambrose's character is kind of bland. I want to get that rematch out of the way and have AJ Styles move on. Um, I enjoy AJ Styles and Cena one-on-one. I just don't want to see a triple threat match. Um, I'm not too, too thrilled about that. I I love the Usos and the Hype Brothers. I thought that was a fantastic match. Um, I really, really want the Hype Brothers to get on a roll. I want them to do. <laughs> I want Zack Ryder um, to have a little more success. I feel like he's kind of been forgotten for a long time, and he's a great wrestler. And I love seeing the Hype Brothers on there. I want the creative to get behind them a little bit more, push them a little bit more, and. Um, uh, I'm very overall satisfied with with both shows. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, let's start off with uh, the bad, um, and the bad All is right. everything about Raw to me. I, I just I I just despise Raw. I, I it just bores me to death, and and it's I, I'm I'm not sold. I'm not sold. I'm a big Jericho guy. Um, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, many people who know me knows that I'm a huge Jericho fan. And uh, I like the drinking in. I like the, 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 the 11th incarnation of Chris Jericho uh, at uh, almost 46 years old. So, you know, and, and um, that's fun about raw, but everything else just to me, is just, it's just too many segments. Uh, I'm not a fan of Kevin Owens as champ. I, I'm not, um, not because of Kevin Owens. Uh, he's mm-hmm. I've followed Kevin Owens for years. I, I loved him in ROH. Yeah, he he was money when he was with Scum. Uh, but it's just, I don't think that Kevin Owens and this and this again. This isn't Kevin Owens. This is creative, as what I feel. I don't think that Kevin Owens. Is a has a star power feel to him, um, because there's pockets of people who like him. There's pockets of people who don't, and I don't think. Here's the thing, and this is how Jericho is. Jericho people boo Jericho because Jericho's booable, not because mm-hmm. of his wrestling. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, but his character is so strong that when he's a babyface, people will cheer him. One hundred percent, just about will cheer him. When he's a heel, people will boo him because he is a heel and he does it so well. And that's what I'm looking for in a champion and someone. And the thing is, Kevin Owens as a character does not have those definitive qualities to make me say, "Ooh, I like him," or "Ooh, I boo him." I'm just indifferent. And a lot of people are indifferent with Kevin Owens. They like him because he's a good wrestler, but at the same time, he doesn't have enough heel qualities for me, for me to really buy in his character. And that's what I'm looking for as champions. I'm looking for people 
who I can buy into the character. That's why I'm, I wasn't a fan of Seth Rollins being champion. And again, nothing from nothing based on his in-ring ability. Um, you know, he was he's he can be a bit dangerous and careless at times, but overall, very very solid worker. So that's how I feel. And the very fact that you have a heel Seth Rollins versus a heel Kevin Owens going against class of champions bothers me to no end. I, I think that that's horrible. I think that's a horrible, horrible way to do it. Um, I like yeah. the fact that they're relegating Roman Reigns. I'm a Roman Reigns guy. I like that they're relegating him to mid-card. I think that that helps him. I like. I think the Rusev feud actually got him more cheers leading into SummerSlam, and so that's good. I'm glad they did that, but I mean, who cares about Nia Jax and Alicia Fox? You know, who cares yeah. about Jinder Mahal having a new gimmick? You know, and who cares about Bo Dallas beating Brandon Scott? You know, who who cares about that stuff? Uh, the best yeah. of seven, sevens had solid matches, but there doesn't really make a difference. I mean, the the, the women's match was good, and and their that that uh, division's uh, pretty decent. Uh, but you know, it, and then and then you have in Enzo and Cass either as a team or a singles losing consecutive weeks. How is that helping a character if you have one of the hottest characters in the entire WWE, Enzo and Cass, losing consecutive matches? I mean, that's the, the that's going to diminish their character, and that's going to take steam away from it. It's just it's ridiculous. And real quick on SmackDown before we get to the flavor of the week. Uh, on on the contrast, I've thought SmackDown's been pretty solid. I wouldn't say great, but I think it's been pretty solid uh, every single week, actually. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, of course, there's some the, some factors that I, I don't like as much. But, I mean, oh, as a whole, I think SmackDown's all been pretty solid. I'm, I'm okay with the character development. I cannot stand what they're doing with Apollo Crews, though. I think that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that that's a, a, oh. I've said that many times, and I'll continue to say until something changes. Put him yeah. back on NXT. He was he was starting to become his own in NXT. They threw him on Raw, and now he is just lifeless, basically, on the main roster. Yeah, they they definitely pulled him out of NXT way too soon. Yes, when I when I heard he was getting that. called up, I, I, my first thought was, really already? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It was it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the flavor of the week. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. About five minutes. What we'll do is we'll just list the top top one for each one of us instead of going back and forth. We go from five to one. Uh, And of course, the flavor of the the five. Wrestlers who both, both think would do well in MMA. Uh, very interesting list here. So uh, go with your uh, top five. All right. Well, I um, this was a, a fun fun list to put together. Um, I think starting at number five, and uh, I know he's he's pushing forty six. I I think Chris Jericho would be yeah. a, a really good guy simply because. I think you know. I, I think UFC fighters and, and compare it to like a gorilla. Gorillas aren't tall and lean. They're short and stocky, and and that's Chris Jericho. He's five foot ten. He's he's a solid build. He's got a great athletic background. He's a devout follower of DDP Yoga, just like me. And, and let me just tell you something. Like I, I think Chris Jericho 
could do it. I really do. Um, I think he maybe we were on a couple of years, put him when he was a few years younger, but I definitely think he'd be fantastic to go in there. Uh, do you want to go on to number four here? Go uh, straight All right, number four. I actually number four. I would say Apollo Cruz. He's he's got that build. He's got that athleticism. Watching him in the ring, the things that this man does blows my mind. I think with a little bit of training, uh, he he could he could just dominate over in UFC. Moving on, um, I know I said not tall and thin. I think Baron Corbin would be one tough cookie to throw in there. Um, I'm going to jump ahead real quick. Number two, I would say Samoa Joe. The guy, yeah, he's he's heavy, but he is thick and he is solid. And I, I look at that man and I say he could take a punch. I think he could just get in there and throw a couple people around and really take it to town. And number one, I'm going to say uh, Chad Gable. And you, you just can't uh, deny this guy's background, uh, you know, a 2004 Minnesota State Wrestling Champion, uh, silver medalist in the World Games, gold medalist in the Pan American Championship Games. Getting him a little, a little fighting background, I, it just translates itself right over. He's got that athletic background. He can step right into UFC, and he's my number one pick, Chad Gable. Nice. Good stuff. I, I, like, I like it. Uh, my number five is Becky Lynch. I think that uh, Becky Lynch would be a, a good female uh, MMA competitor. I can just see her and Paige Van Zant just going at it, uh, or Misha Tate. Uh, she has the look, you know, that fiery look as far as far as box office look is concerned. Uh, yeah. Jason Jordan for number four, similar to what you said with uh, Chuck Gable, just the amateur background mm-hmm. and just uh, he's a very powerhouse. Uh, number three, Roman Reigns, just because of that killer instinct that he has and just that. You know that that kind of uh, bad guy attitude, and just really, you know, just really intense, and and I and I think that that will help a lot. Number two, I have Jack Swagger, uh, just because of his wrestling background and his ability to take people down. That's really important for MMA as far as ground and pound and mounting people uh, to get those shots in. And the number one, I have Cesaro, um, just because of just the the uh, amazing level of strength that he has. To, to be able to do uh, takedowns and still, you know, he's not a, he's not a stocky guy, you know I mean? He, he still, he still has a, he has a really lean look to him, but he's just a powerhouse as far as strength is concerned. And he has the ability to cut, you know, 15 pounds if he wants to, to go down to about 225 or so. So yeah, I think that's a, uh, that's my list as, uh, as well. Great list uh, there, Travis, where can we find you? Appreciate you coming on the list, uh, coming on the show tonight. You've been fantastic. I, I, it's a blast being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the best place to find me right now is on Twitter, at um, RyderTaylor is my handle. Um, I keep people updated on everything I'm doing through there. It's the, the best way to, to find me. I'm, I'm on there every single day. Fantastic. Uh, are you doing any writing uh, projects at all? You have a short story. I'm working right? on uh, – yeah, I'm working on a on a, on a book. I'm uh, it's not a re- it's not wrestling related. It's a uh, it's uh, like a fantasy novel, but it's dealing mm-hmm. with I love these themes of uh sacrifice. Like what are you willing to give up to get mm-hmm. the things that you want in life? And that's where I'm trying to do something a little bit different than your typical, you know, uh, sword and sorcery fantasy novel. I I like a little more character development. <laughs> I mean, that's why nice. I love wrestling, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you when you say that word sacrifice, I always think about uh, that Creed song, "My Sacrifice," that they used to play in WWE all the time. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I keep people updated in that that book. I'm hoping to have it out in uh, 
in December. We're working on editing, and as long as it stays on on track, it'll be out in December. Awesome, man. And, uh, Best wishes to you. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we got to get you back on the show some. I would love to come back anytime. Fantastic. Thanks for having. Uh, thanks for being here tonight, and uh, you have a great night, Travis. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Talk to you later, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we are closing 233 episodes of the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because I've had, uh, I don't even know how many now, probably uh, 12 to 15 um, guest co-hosts since uh, around the springtime. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, certain certain people that you, I mean, I, I've enjoyed every single guest co-host. But there's certain people that you're like, oh yeah, we got to get that, got him, got to get him back on the show. The chemistry was very fantastic, and uh, Travis is that guy, and, and he loves professional wrestling. You can just tell by his expressions, by his uh, his tone, that he's a, an avid pro wrestler uh, who just doesn't watch it because uh, he's paid to, or he gets paid to, or you know, uh, he, he just you know don't. There's there's not really much coming from it other than money, you know. What I mean, um, you know, we can complain until we want to or until we blew in the face as far as just you know the direction of pro wrestling. But you know, there's certain people like myself. I complain. I'll, I will complain. I'll, I'll I'll say some good things too when I see them. But you know, you know, we're wrestling fans for life, and so you know, you can definitely tell that with Travis. And I really really appreciate. Him being on the show, and now uh, we'll have him back again soon, God willing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Pancakes and Power Slams. Thank you, Buff Bagwell, for pulling through. Uh, Jimmy Wade was supposed to be on the show. He uh, let me know uh, not to, about a couple, few hours ago, actually, um, that he's having some family issues. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him back uh, at a later date. I called up Buff Bagwell, and uh, he said, yeah, I'll do it. So that worked out very well. So thank you, Buff Bagwell, and I had a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is 233 episodes. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. Have a fantastic week, and God bless. Goodbye.